what time is it? Hey, man, I'm sorry we're a little late. But listen, you'll never guess who's coming to dinner. What? good fucking thing that we are all anarchists here because honestly dude I I feel like if I believed in hierarchy if we believed in hierarchy I would want to tell you the graffiti bridge is the best movie that I've ever seen but as anarchists we don't feel like we need to make any one thing the best thing right we don't need to have that hierarchy we can just say Holy fucking shit, dude. Graffiti Bridge is fucking amazing. Um, which is great, right? I was I was reluctant to watch it. I was nervous. Cause I was like, I just like I just watched all the sleepaway camp movies one after the other, and then I was like, I don't wanna do like a series, like I don't wanna feel like an obligation to like watch one movie or whatever, but then Prince died, and I was like, well, there's only three, and, like, now, like, let's, like, let's fucking do this, let's watch all the Prince movies, and then Purple Rain wound up being kind of a bummer, right? Like, Purple Rain is just, like, a portrait of an abuser interspersed with these fucking mind-blowing musical sequences or whatever, you know. You probably, maybe you listened to that one, maybe you didn't, I don't know. My point is just, here's the thing, um... The musical performances in Graffiti Bridge are probably not as good as the ones in Purple Rain, and the songs probably are not as good, too. Um, but, you know, that's not a big deal when you think about how fucking perfect everything about the music and the performances in Purple Rain was, right? Like, it, nothing is that good, and so, like, nothing is gonna be that good, and the fucking, the songs and the performances, the live shit in graffiti bridge are just like they're killer they're awesome everybody looks super cool and um the music rules and you know it's it you're just you're gonna be bummed if you compare anything to the live parts of purple rain right you're always gonna be disappointed nothing is gonna beat that shit ever it's impossible um but that said the rest of the movie of graffiti bridge i was like dude if, if we weren't such a bunch of anarchists over here, like, I would want to award this movie, like, the diamond dick hole or something. Like, I want to have an award to give this movie on this podcast because it is so good. Like, I watched the, like, beginning of it. It's, like, started up, and I was like, okay, this is, like, fine. This, like, I guess I had, like, my expectations were pretty low, right? Like, Prince wrote and directed it, and I guess, um... Maybe he had, like, a production team that he all fired because he was like, fuck you guys, like, I'm going to do this movie. And I was like, you know, honestly, I'll fucking watch anything, right? But I was expecting it to, to drag at points or, like, to be kind of, like, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting. I guess also, you know, like I said, Purple Rain was kind of a bummer, but Prince didn't write that, whereas he did write this one. And 
So yeah, so dude, uh, what happens is Billy, the guy with the velour like track suits who owns the bar in Purple Rain has died and he left a bar to Prince who like co-owns it with Morris Day from the time. So it's like, it's the sequel to Purple Rain, right? Did I say that? Um, Prince and the antagonist, Morris Day from the time, co-own this one bar, and then Morris also owns, like, another bar or, like, multiple other bars. It's this place where there's all these bars, right? Um, and there's always hella live music playing all the time in the bars, and I guess everybody's in competition with everybody else. And, like, I feel like Prince is playing this, like, spiritual music, which is awesome. Um, well, whatever. I... That might not be awesome. Who fucking knows? I'm not in charge of what's awesome. But, but I guess Morris is like, Prince, dude, everybody hates your music because it's so spiritual, right? And Prince is like, fuck you, Morris. Like, why are you, like, coming into my club with your band? Like, you're going to beat us up. But instead of holding, like, knives or guns or bats, you're holding, like, guitars where, like, the body part of the guitar, like, where your right hand goes, has, like, a long, like, horn that stretches out from it and attaches to, like, the head part at the other end of the guitar. So they look like they're, like one piece shaped kind of like a capital D or something like they just it's so good dude they just roll up like they're gonna be like we're gonna kick your ass with music in this way that I'm interested in I guess Prince gave an interview at one point where he was like yeah nobody like gets laid and nobody gets like there's no fights in my movie which like yeah I want that that's great good job there Prince um so like Morris is super rich and he and Jerome are still super tight. Like, Jerome at one point holds up the mirror that he held up to Morris on stage so that Morris could check his look while the time was playing. That, like, that mirror returns. Like, Jerome holds it up to him. And at one point, they... Okay, so I took a lot of notes during this movie, right? Because there is so much fucking fantastic, like, bonkers shit that happens in this movie. And I was looking over those notes and I was like, dude, I could just list all of the fucking amazing shit that happens in this movie and that could be the whole podcast, right? But I didn't. I, I left those notes somewhere because, like, you should watch this movie. Like, this is an important movie for you to watch. It's There's just, there's so much good stuff. At one point, um, Morris, so there's some, like, tension between Morris and Jerome, right? And... At one point, they resolve this tension by having a money duel in which these really fast banjos are playing. At one point, they play, like, the main melody from Dueling Banjos, but I don't think it's just Dueling Banjos, but it's definitely, like, we are having a duel music where, like, they just are throwing all this money on the table. Like, each of them is taking out all these $100 bills and throwing it on the table. And I think the point of it is whoever has the most $100 bills, like, on their person is the one who wins the money duel and gets to keep all the money. And it looks like Jerome was going to win, but then Morris, like, takes off his shoe and hidden within the heel of his shoe, he has, like, more hundreds. And so he throws them on the table and then he wins the money duel. Like... That's so awesome. Um, so, I guess he's, like, representing, like, the devil and the forces of, like, capitalism. Whereas Prince is representing, like, you know, anti-capitalist, like, rock band stuff and, like, God or whatever. Um, and... So, yeah, so Morris, like, half owns this club, but he still comes to it. And, like, <laughs> there's this enormous fern next to the door. And I, w I didn't see the part where I guess he pees on the fern, but I read as I was 
reading about this movie um, on the internet, I read that I guess he pees on the fern, but what I did see is that he also, like, as he's leaving, he just lights this fern on fire. And at one point, I think they, like, they, like, firebomb the club. I'm just like, dude, here's the thing, right? The whole reason that I think that punk rock whatever, like, has been a part of my life for my whole life is that... I grew up on these 80s movies in which punks were these, like, nonsense people who looked ridiculous and did ridiculous shit, right? And Morris is doing the kind of ridiculous shit that, like, punkers in 80s movies would do, but, like, recontextualized in this way where, like, instead of looking, like, ridiculous in, like, a stupid way, like, he just looks slick as hell, like... I don't know, man. There was there was something in the air or the water um, that made movies like Back to the Beach and like, man, we need to talk about Back to the Beach because the punks in that movie, the like surf punks, are so awesome. Um, anyway, Morris is like, I'm gonna destroy this club that I half own um, because I hate you, the kid, or something, or like you're like the forces of good so anyway that's like the central conflict is Morris wants to shut down this club that he is like half owner of and um what else to tell you I mean there's so much dude um Wendy and Lisa and the revolution the band from Purple Rain are no more nobody knows what happened to them probably Prince alienated them or sorry probably the kid alienated them to the point that they went and like did their own stuff and that makes a lot of sense also Apollonia is gone she she probably left him too because he was a bad dude um the kid doesn't seem to be an abuser for the most part anymore like he's a weirdo but it, it doesn't seem like he's doing the same kind of thing, but I, the trade-off there is that there aren't really, like... <coughs> there aren't really a lot of women characters in this movie who get to do anything. Like, there is one woman in the movie, mostly. I mean, there's probably a couple women in the movie, but the main, like, female character is this, like... So... Okay, so her name is Aura, and she spends a lot of time hanging out underneath the titular graffiti bridge, right? Which is this, like super fake like styrofoam looking bridge with like a bunch of graffiti on it that I guess is based on a real thing that was torn down in Minneapolis soon after the movie came out um she like hangs out by this bridge and I guess she's like writing poetry but the thing about Aura is that unlike any other character in the movie she has this like internal monologue that you can hear like she does all these rhyming voiceover parts that are like kind of like deep poetry in this way that like like it was unclear what she was like at first I thought she might be a ghost and that like maybe nobody could see her but then she was interacting with people so it's like oh she's not a ghost but she has the power to disappear if she needs to right um she can just like be walking away and then she'll disappear so I think she might be an angel um which you know is great like sure put a fucking magic angel in your movie that's a great idea but uh she's just not like when we think of like female characters who have agency like I don't think she's like a human female who has agency in the way that we often like to see human female characters in movies have agency but I mean she's awesome there's some hard stuff at one point where I think she gets drunk it wasn't clear whether she got drunk or whether maybe Morris like 
drugged her, but there was some, like, threat of date rape stuff that was, like, it was hard to watch, and it sucks. She's, like, wasted, and Morris, like, brings her home, and, um, Prince winds up saving her by, like, like, it feels gross to laugh about this scene because I'm so uninterested in threat of, like, date rape stuff, but, um, it's just, like, Prince, like, shows up, and he, like, leans into the frame of the, the, the shot, like a, you know, like, elongated cartoon character. He's doing, like, exaggerated, like, tippy-toes shit to, like, sneak into this apartment. He blows out the candle, and then he sneaks her out, um, and then what happens is we get an explicit, um, confrontation of the, like, homoerotic charge between Jerome and Morris, but it's a bummer. It's totally disappointing. Instead of, like, doing anything cool with it, they, like, Morris is like, I'm, like, gonna, like, touch this girl, and then he's like, oh, why is your, like, chest hairy? And then the lights go back on, and then there's this, like, long, awkward moment where, like, Morris and Jerome are sitting on opposite ends of the couch, and they, like, almost had a gay moment, and they're both so freaked out, and then, like, I mean, it's hard, because it's fucked up, and, like, the idea of, like, I touched a girl and her chest was hairy, like, that joke is actually about trans women, right? Like, that's not even a gay panic joke, necessarily. It's, like, a trans girl joke. Um, or at least the kind of joke that contributes to people doing a shitty job with trans women, you know? But, um, like, it's almost saved by the fact that, so they, like, sit on the opposite edges of the couch and just, like, stare with big eyes for a while, and it's kind of, like, okay, like, you're doing a good job with this shitty material, you know? And, like, Morris almost throws up, and then he doesn't throw up, and you're like, oh, God, okay. And then, eventually, he leaves to throw up, and then the thing that, like, I feel like a bad person for feeling like this kind of rescues the scene for me, but Jerome does this, like, he, like, passes out in this way where he, like, instead of just, like, passing out and falling on the couch, it's, like, he passes out so hard that he, like, hurls his body really hard at the couch. It's, like, the kind of physical humor that doesn't really carry through on a podcast, but trust me, Jerome does a good job with the pretending to pass out, but it's still, like, I was more interested in their relationship when it was, like, not homophobic, you know what I mean? Um... But, you know, what are you going to do? I think also, like, I was reading about how, I guess, there was an early draft of this movie where... So Prince has this character who I've read about before, but I've never heard any of the music or anything. It's, like, a thing where, I guess, in the early 80s, he recorded some vocals and sped them up, and then he, like, thought that he sounded, quote-unquote, like a woman, and so he came up with this alter ego named Celine, who somebody on the internet was like, okay, so there was a quote-unquote uh, hermaphrodite who was probably some kind of trans person in, like, a million years ago, the 1800s or something, in France named Herculine Barbine, is that right? Who also went by Celine? I don't fucking know. I guess Foucault was just, like, digging around in a library one time in France, and he found uh, an autobiography that this, like, ostensible hermaphrodite wrote, and published it, and then they published it in English in, like, 1980, and Prince probably read it and named his, like, hermaphrodite, like, female character that he would embody after this person, 
I don't know how true any of this is. I mean, I know that a lot of this is true. Specifically, I don't know about Prince naming Celine after this person, but what the fuck do I know? Um, my point is just, I guess, Prince was going to play Celine in this movie at one point and, like, have Madonna play the opposite character, but I also read that this was, at one point, a movie that was about the time that was not about Prince and that was not a sequel to Purple Rain. So I guess they went through a lot of drafts of writing this movie, or Prince did. Um, but it's just, it's... I would love to hear Prince talk about gender. Maybe he did, maybe... But, I mean, it's that thing, right, where when you're talking about gender to fucking Rolling Stone, like, how how much are you meeting that journalist halfway and not actually talking about what you're talking about, you know what I mean? Anyway, um... What the fuck else happens in this movie? Tevin Campbell shows up? <laughs> like, I... <laughs> what the hell? Just, like, Prince is, like... He's writing letters to his dad. Sorry, the kid is writing letters to his dad, and he's like, maybe I should kill myself at one point, which is surprising, because that is not the tone of this movie. Like, it's a really different tone than the other movie. This movie is, like... It's, like, going for it in a way that is not taking... Like, it's taking itself seriously. It's not, like, a joke movie, but... Um, it's not grim the way that a lot of Purple Rain felt, um, which is great, which is part of what's so fun. Like, all this bonkers shit, like, doesn't feel like it's out of nowhere, like it's, like, um, like a tonal break. It feels like taking the tone of the movie just to, like, an extreme sometimes. Like, there's a point, oh, should I skip to the fucking climactic, like, music battle? There's a point when Prince is, they have a, like, band off, right? They have a music off, and Prince is playing his song at one point and as an aside he has shaved his chest hair into the shape of a heart and written the words beat me inside of it um, and he's doing this song and to show how like uninterested they are like how unimpressed they are with Prince's song The Time Morris Day's band The Time and Jerome are all there I guess Jerome might be a member of The Time even though I guess he doesn't play anything it's hard to say wasn't there a pop punk band back in the day that had like a dancer was that like a veil anyway um Prince is playing this song, and at one point he, like, leans up against Jerome, and Jerome hands him a lollipop, and then, like, shortly after that, we, we pan over to another member of the time who's just, like, straight up playing a fucking Game Boy, because he's so uninterested in Prince's song. Like, dude, they were having fun when they made this movie, and you can fucking tell. Like, it feels fun to watch this movie. Um, I mean... I don't know. What else can I tell you? I feel like I've, like, trailed off in a lot of different ways. Sorry, dude. This podcast might not be that coherent because I chose not to bring any notes with me. Chose just to do it off the top of my head. Um, there's a scene in which Prince is, like... Sorry, the kid is um, wooing. Like, he's, like, romancing Aura by playing Hangman in bed on heart-shaped paper. Like he has her in his bed and then they play hangman like that's amazing um and yeah like fucking Devin Campbell shows up and just does round and round and like one of the things I was realizing watching this movie right was that I this is specifically about my own age right I was a little kid when Purple Rain came out um and like sort of knew that Prince was a person but like mostly like we had, like, a copy of Thriller in my house, and I was pretty into Thriller when I was a kid, and so, like, Purple Rain, like, I was too little to have it resonate with me aesthetically or beyond my, like, pop culture radar or whatever, whereas 
when Graffiti Bridge came out, the movie itself wasn't really on my pop culture radar, but, like, New Jack Swing was all over MTV, and, like, Tevin Campbell videos were playing, and so, like, the aesthetic of Purple Rain feels to me like this, like, mythic kind of, like, permanent, like, this is the sickest thing in the world, because it felt like a constant like the constant culture that I had been born into when I was a kid maybe or something if that makes sense whereas the aesthetics of Graffiti Bridge feel very much to me like they're of a time period when I was like a stupid baby right I didn't know what was going on but I mean I knew what was going on more than that I was watching MTV right like the like those really like um sort of like trebly like beats that that were such a part of like New Jack Swing like I don't know, Color Me Bad, fucking Boys to Men, that, like, late 80s, early 90s, R&B, whatever, like, that's, like, what this movie sounds like. It was totally Prince doing that, and I hadn't realized that Tevin Campbell was involved in... I keep going back to Tevin Campbell as if this was a major plot point, but it was, like, um, just a funny thing to be like, oh, this kid was, like, involved in Prince somehow, and I think part of it, it was this thing, right, like... I remember seeing a, a documentary about MC Hammer when I was younger, and they were like, yeah, he went broke because he, like, basically hired everybody from his neighborhood to be, like, his backup dancers or roadies or whatever, and, like, couldn't sustain that because he was, like, trying too hard to help everybody. I feel like there's a similar thing going on in Graffiti Bridge, where it feels like Prince is like, oh, yeah, Tevin Campbell, like, come be in my movie. Oh, yeah, George Clinton, come be in my movie. He's got, like all these, it's like, he, like, brought all these people in to be like, I'm making this movie and people are gonna see it, so, like, I totally want to get you exposure, right? And I feel like, as an old person now, I get that. I totally, like, you know, um, whatever, like, moderate amount of people paying attention to me ha I have, I'm often, like, kind of, like, I want to figure out a way to, like, use that to help other people get attention if they want to, I don't know, you know what I mean, that fucking thing. It sounds conceited when you talk about it that way, but, um, you know, the fuck are you gonna do? Make your own podcast if you want to talk shit. Fuck you, dickhole. Anyway, what else happens in this movie? I feel like there's a ton of shit that I'm forgetting. Um, I also feel like I probably remember Tevin Campbell more because he gets mentioned in that one song on the first Wu-Tang Clan album than because I remember his music at all. Um, thing about saying goodbye like Tevin Campbell. I don't even remember who says that line. Um, but, yeah, dude, people look cool as shit. I realized watching this movie, um, I've talked about this before on this podcast, I was like, Morris Day looks so fucking cool, and he's wearing the, like, stupidest outfits, right? Like, the, the shit that I hate, this, like, kind of, like, 20s, like, suspender, bow tie, whatever, like, kind of, like, flashy masculinity thing that, like, is fine. I don't feel like nobody should like that, but I just, like... I don't like men's fashion. I don't think it's cool. I feel like everybody should... Well, whatever. I don't feel like everybody should be wearing pretty dresses all the time. But I just like pretty dresses better than I like cummerbunds. You know what I mean? Um, so, anyway, I, what I realized was that Morris is wearing all these, like, outfits. And I'm like, why do you look so fucking cool all the time? And I was like, oh, right. It's because you're super skinny, right? Like, you could wear whatever the fuck you want. And, like, that's not all that's going on. Like... He's fucking hilarious, dude. And he looks younger in this movie than he did in uh, Purple Rain. But, like, that is absolutely a component of what's going on there. Why I kept, kept being like, why do you look so fucking cool in these clothes that I don't like? It's like, oh, right, because 
I learned that skinny people look cooler than people who aren't skinny because I live in a poison culture that sucks. So that's going on. Prince looks awesome, dude. Prince has a beard and I'm not really enthusiastic about beards, but Prince has a beard and he looks fucking great. He's got this like long, like, um, like relaxed hair that looks fucking great. Like everybody looks super cool and, um, like the women look cool like Oro just looks hella cool all the time um there's a scene where this woman I don't know how much she gets to do in the movie but they're like oh like they're all like hey like what's up Jill and Jill is like fuck you guys and they're like what what's your deal Jill and she like she like reaches under the skirt of her dress and takes off her underwear and like puts it on the ground and then just like keeps walking in a way where I was like I was not stoned while I watched this movie but I was still like why did that just like that's weird um but you know that also rules let's be real about that um I'm nervous that I'm not selling this movie to you well enough I don't know like I feel like I really want to use my description of this movie to make you feel the way that I felt while I was watching this movie and I just don't know if that's possible I feel like it's a combination of like my expectations and um what I mean is, like, going into the movie with pretty low expectations and then having them, like, just, like, exploded, right? Like, exceeded so far beyond anything I could have hoped for. Um, so... That might be it, dude. I don't know. You should watch it. There's, like, tons of fucking great shit that happens in this movie that I haven't told you about because I forgot about it. Um, <coughs> so trying to think of a, a zinger to, to end this with, but I think I got nothing. So, see ya. Alright, truck nuts and dickholes. That's it. Imogen Benny on Twitter. This song is by People Watching. That other song was by Gorgon. Fuck capitalism and fuck your internalized colonizer mindset. What's gonna keep me from waiting out See ya. Turn the jar of the rock.